0: Chapter 19 of A Woman of Yesterday This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Woman of Yesterday by Caroline Atwater Mason Chapter 19 I am holy while I stand circumcrossed by thy hand, but when that is gone again, I as others am profane. Robert Herrick John Gregory stood in the studio with his friend. The first greeting's over. May I look at your work, he asked, approaching Everett's easel. The younger man stood behind him with sensitive change in color and something almost like trepidation in the expression of his face. There was a certain quality of command in John Gregory, of which he was himself, perhaps usually unconscious, which produced in many minds a disproportionate anxiety to win his approval. As he stood now before Everett's easel, however, he was not the awe-inspiring figure of Anna's dream, or even of its sudden fulfillment, but simply an English gentleman in his rough traveling tweeds. A man of fifty, or thereabout, noticeable for his height and splendid proportion, for a kind of rugged harmony of feature, and for the peculiar distinct quality of his glance. His manner was characterized by repose, which might have appeared stolidity. Had not the fire in his eyes denied the suggestion, his voice was deep and full, and he spoke with the rolling rhythm of accent common to educated Englishmen. The aspect of the man produced altogether an effect of almost careless freedom from form, since that here was one who had to do with, with the actual imperative, not the eventuous and artificial, in fine. An essentially masculine and virile individuality, a man born to lead, not to follow. Beside him pierced Everett, with his delicate mobility of face and the slender grace of his frame, looking boyish and even effeminate. But there was nothing of superiority or patronage in gregory's bearing towards the young artist but rather a kind of affectionate camaraderie peculiarly winning and he entered into the study of the young man's work with cordial and sympathetic interest the canvas before them was not a large one the composition extremely simple the single figure it presented was set in against a background of cold low tones of yellow a crumbling tomb of human stone with tufts of dry glass growing in the crevices Poiriery with age, stained with decay, was set against a steep hillside of sterile limestone. Leaning upon a broken pillar of this tomb stood the figure of a young girl, her hand dropped carelessly upon the rough stone before her, her head lifted and encircled by a faint nimbus. The eyes fixed in absorbed contemplation, and yet with a child's passionless calm, the outline of the figure in white oriental dress were those of extreme youth undeveloped and severe. The attitude had an unconscious childlike grace. The expression of the face was that of awe and wonder. With a curious mingling of joy and dread, the subject easily guessed was the virgin in contemplation in early girlhood. The picture was nearly finished, only the detail of the foreground remained incomplete. John Gregory stood for some time in silence. The face and figure before him possessed an expression of high spiritual quality common to the early Florentines, there was little of fleshy or earthly beauty, but an aura of celestial purity, of virginal innocence and devout aspiration was the more it perceived. You have painted like fraught Angelico, Everett, with heaven in your heart. Gregory spoke at last. The artist drew a long breath and turned away satisfied. They both found chairs then and settled down for an hour of talk. Where could you find a model of such conception? It would be most difficult, I should think, in our self-conscious, sophisticated modern life. It was my model who created my picture, replied Everett. Mrs. Keith Burgess is the lady's name. Seeing her here at church when she came here a bride gave me my first thought of the thing. Gregory looked at him meditatively. It is most remarkable that a woman who is married could have suggested your little Mary there. With that child's unconsciousness in her eyes and that obviously virginal soul, when a woman has loved a man, she has another look. Everett was surprised at this comment from Gregory, who had never married, and who was peculiarly silent and indifferent commonly when the subject of love or marriage was touched in conversation. He answered presently, when Miss Burgess was married and came here— She was, in a sense, a child. She was thoughtful and serious beyond her years, in religious concerns, but quite undeveloped on all other lines, and an inexperienced in the motives and energies of the modern world as a child. I think one might have described her then as a very religious child. Has she changed greatly? Not so much, and yet, somewhat, she has begun to read, you see, which she had never done except on certain scholastic and religious lines. She has begun to think of herself somewhat, and in a sense, one could say she has begun to live. John Gregory did not reply, but he said to himself that if she had begun to love, she could not have furnished his friend with the inspiration and the model for just that picture. He had come from Fulham only for the evening, being on his way to take a steamer from Montreal back to England. The two men had dinner together and then returned to the studio, conversed long and earnestly. Gregory spoke freely but not fully of plans which absorbed him, but which were not yet matured. Some theory of social cooperation was in full possession of his mind, and he had small consideration for things outside. Everett listened with serious attention to all that he said, and when he rose to make ready for departure, he remarked. Mr. Gregory, when the time comes that you are ready to carry into execution, my plan embodied this principle of brotherhood. Count on me. If you think me worthy, I am ready to follow you anywhere. Gregory looked down upon the young man with his grave and winning smile. Thank you, Everett. I shall remember. But do you know, my dear fellow, I want to ask a tremendous favor of you now. This very night, Sayon returned the other. Gregory had crossed the room to the easel, and now stood with a look intent on the picture of the young virgin. "'It is a bold request, but I want to buy this picture of you now, before you have a chance to touch it again. Who knows, but you may spoil it. It interests me unusually, and I want to take it with me to England. To do that, it must go with me tonight. I will pay you any price you have in mind. I want it for a purpose of "'What?' You mean that I should let it go to-night, before I have finished it, or shown it to Miss Burgess herself, even?' And Everett looked almost aghast. "'She has never seen it, even once, you know.' "'Yes,' said the other, looking fully into the artist's face with undisturbed quietness. "'That is exactly what I ask of you. I will promise to return the painting to you at some future date, if that should be your wish. I shall be over here again in a year.' Everett stood for a moment, reflecting. "'I am very fond of the picture,' he said slowly. "'So am I,' said the other, smiling. Everett glanced up and caught the smile and felt a strange control in it. "'You will have to take it,' he said, with a nervous laugh. "'There is no other way.' "'Then put a good price on it, my boy,' said Gregory, with matter-of-fact brevity. "'You will agree not to exhibit it anywhere publicly?' "'Certainly. I could not do that without Miss Gess's consent.' how i shall make my peace with her i am sure i cannot imagine murmured everett as he took the painting from its place and laid it on the table preparatory to packing it will you tell her please said gregory quite unmoved that i wanted the picture and will agree to make good use of it a sudden clearing passed over everett's clouded face oh to be sure to be sure he cried miss Burgess has read your recent articles in the economist and she is quite enthusiastic over them. It will be all right. I'm sure it will, said John Gregory. He was thinking of Anna's face as she passed him in the hall below, but he did not mention the fact that they had met to Everett. End of chapter